Welcome to Mytho Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Lizzie. And how are you today, Zoe? I'm good. I am still pretty tired. I have to pack after this, after I've just finished unpacking, because I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So oh, that's are. exciting. I'm excited to go on vacation, but I am not excited to pack and I'm not excited to drive. Ah, uh, yeah. So I've just been on like a 17-hour drive um, to get back from uh, the Russian program. Wow. I so didn't realize was, you did a little road a trip. Lot. Yeah. Was that all in one day? No, it wasn't in one day. And I don't okay. think it really counts as a road trip because like we weren't stopping to see fun things. It was just um, driving. <laughs> um, but it was two days. Um, we drove from Indiana to Pennsylvania and then Pennsylvania to Massachusetts and then to Vermont because we had to stop in Massachusetts. Ugh, nightmare. I'm going yeah. to Italy. Yeah, because you're also like... going on vacation. Yeah, it's not really vacation, but also, yeah, it is. Right, yeah. You are. I'm going to, I'm going to cat sit for our friend's parents. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds really fun. Honestly. I'm literally so excited. Really nice. I wanted to meet yeah. their cats anyway. It's like I can just hang out with our cats 100% of the day. It sounds awesome. Yeah. It sounds really nice. In Italy. Um, so excited. In Italy. Yeah. Anyway, so before we begin the episode, uh, we would like to remind you that you may, if you like, donate to our Ko-fi page. If you would like to donate money to us, we have some bonus mm-hmm. content that you can access if you yeah. give us any money, it could be a one-time payment or a recurring payment, and we would appreciate it greatly. Yeah, and our episodes are really fun. I think they're great. Right now we have two yeah. bonus episodes, and they're both a really good time, I think. Yeah. We talk a lot about mytho- mythological adaptations in literature and what's the point of them and what makes a good adaptation, and yeah. Exactly. Good times. So, today's episode is Zoe's. So, Zoe, who are we talking about? So today, Lizzie, we are going to be talking about Jopadi, who is... Have you heard of her? No. That is okay. I did not expect you to, um, but I just want to make sure. She is the most significant female character in the Mahabharata, which is... Oh! um, The... One of the two major. Oh wait, yeah, I have heard epics. of her. What am I talking about? I have heard of her. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, she's the main female protagonist in the epic, the Mahabharata, and she's also worshipped as a goddess in some parts of India and actually in other parts of the world as well. Yeah. Um, her name is a patronymic. It means the daughter of Drupad, who is her father. Um, and she also has some other names. She's also referred to as Krishna. Panchali and Yejinsini, but most commonly she in the epic she's referred to as Jopadi, so that's just what we're going to be calling her. So before we begin, um, just a little background on the Mahabharata. Um, Lizzie, what do you do? You know anything about the Mahabharata? I know it's very very long, and I know that I think it's actually 
one of the longest, if not the longest, epics in the world. Yes, history. Yes, that is true. But I don't know really. I don't know the plot. I know that Draupadi is there, and mm-hmm. she is a big deal. But isn't I think she's not there for the entire epic. Mm, that's true. She's there for most of it, but it, it it she gets introduced like a little bit of the way in. Yeah. But I don't really know what the grand over- overarching plot of the Mahabharata is. Yeah. Yeah. So as Lizzie said, it's one of two major Sanskrit epics, the other being the Ramayana, which we've talked a little bit about here before. And it's super long. It's over 200,000 lines. I can't remember if it is the longest, but it's definitely up there. I think at one point when we were talking about Beowulf, I was like, it's only like 3,000 lines. And and Lizzie was like, it's still long. And I was like, Neh. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty short compared to other epics. <laughs> but compared to compared to the Mahabharata, that's nothing. That's like one section of the Mahabharata. <laughs> and it tells the struggle for the throne of Hastinapur between two groups of brothers. So the first group are known as the Pandvas, um, and they're like our main group of brothers. And there's five of them, and their names are Yudhishthir, Bhima, Arjun, Nakula, and Sahadev. But you really only need to know Yudhishthir, who's like the oldest and like the wisest uh, Bhima, who's kind of like a firebrand, he's always trying to fight people, and then Arjun, who is like the great warrior, and his like charioteer is an incarnation of Vishnu, uh, Krishna. Um, so those are the only ones you like need to know. You don't really need to know the other two because they aren't really that important. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and then the other group who are kind of the bad guys in the story are the Karvs. Um, and they are, there's four of them, but you only need to know um, Duryodhan and Dushasva. And then there's also Vikarn and Sukarn, but again, they're not really that important. So you don't really need to know them. Um, and so basically the conflict is that both Yudhishthir and Duryodhan claim right to the throne um, through various complica- so sort of complicated bloodline things and birth order things that I won't really get into. Um, And their rivalry eventually results in the Kurukshetra War, which is a civil war between the two family groups with heavy losses on both sides. Um, And the authorship of the epic is attributed to the sage Vyas, who is also a character in the epic. And um, so he's sort of like a legendary character like Homer, um, in a way, except... There might be, like, more information about who he was as a person than, like, Homer was. Um, yeah, we know nothing about he's Homer. he's, like, a very legendary, like, yeah. But, yeah, he's, like, a sort of legendary writer, and he's also, like, included in, like, the story. Like, they mm-hmm. talk about how he's, in, like, some versions of the epic, they talk about how he writes the story. And basically, he tells the story to the god Gnesha, um, who writes mm-hmm. it down on banana leaves, which is very fun, in my opinion. That's awesome. I like that a lot. And Ganesha, of course, is a delight, which is exactly, in my opinion, what you'd expect from him. But um, so, the, like I said, the Mahabharata is an incredibly long, complex story. There's so many disputes over how it should be ordered um, and the, the different versions of the story and what should be counted as part of the story and what shouldn't. And I'm not going to get into most of it. I'm going to skip a lot of things. I'm going to simplify a lot of things because, like I said, it's so long. It's super complex. There's a lot that goes on. And we just don't I feel like people are already going to be confused. And I want yeah. people to be as unconfused as possible. Um, and so I'm really going to only talk about the parts that are relevant to Draupadi's story. 
and just be as simplifying as possible. I definitely recommend looking into the Mahabharata on your own time because it's really it's a really cool story. I really enjoyed reading it. Um, but I, I just can't do it in this episode. I just can't do it. It's it, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and so yeah, like I said, there's a lot of disputes over the origins and stuff. Um, like all epics that are based on oral tradition, most likely, um, there's a lot of disputes and variations, and the oldest sections written were probably written down around 500 BCE. So that's who we're dealing with today. Very old. Yeah, pretty old. Um, and yeah, so first of all, uh, the sto- let's begin with Japadi's story. So Japadi was not born of a woman, fun fact. Oh. And so she's often referred to with the epithet Ayanji, which means one not born of a woman, appropriately. How was she born? And so basically, glad you asked. So after her father is defeated in battle by the Guru Drona, who is the also the sort of mentor and teacher of both the Pandavas and the Karavs, he realizes that none of his children or allies are capable of avenging him. And he decides to perform a fire sacrifice in order to receive a more powerful son. Okay. And in the sacrifice, while the sacrifice is going on, um, Drupad, who again is Draupadi's um, father, um, his wife is instructed to consume the sacrificial offering, but she insists on waiting until after she has washed in order to do it. And so while she goes to wash, the priests decide not to wait, and they pour the sacrifice on the altar without her. And so from the fire emerges a young man and a woman. And so the woman is, of course, Draupadi, and her birth is accompanied by a prophecy. And the prophecy says, This dark-complexioned girl will be the first of all women, and she will be the cause of the destruction of many kshatriyas, which is the warrior caste of... um, of the traditional caste system of Hinduism. This slender wasted one will in time accomplish the purpose of the gods and along with her many a danger will overtake the Karavs. So that is how she was born. Awesome. A lot of prophecy, a lot of ceremony. She is very special from birth. And then, so when she was appropriate age, her father decides, of course, it's time for her to get married, naturally. And so what happens is her father arranges a svayamvera for her. And that is a ceremony in which a woman chooses her husband from a pool of suitors. Ooh. Um, And so in order to do this, he invites the Pandva brothers. And um, her father actually hopes that he can marry Draupadi to Arjun because he's a great warrior. But some things happen um, that I won't go into. Basically... For some reason, he thinks that the Pandavas are dead um, and it's not going to work out. And so instead, he organizes a warrior competition, um, but the Pandavas are not dead. Arjun shows up. He's disguised as a Brahmin. He has to string this bow and shoot an arrow at at this target that's very difficult to hit. And none of the other men can hit it except for this guy, Karna, who almost manages to hit it. Almost manages to string the bow, but he can't quite do it. But then Arjun appears, he um, strings the bow, he shoots the target, and he wins uh, Draupadi. And then everyone gets really mad that uh, who they think is a Brahmin has won. And so he and his brother Bhima fight them all off and then run away back to their family. Nice. 
And so they run home to their mother, Kunti, and Arjuna eagerly declares, look what we have found. And Kunti thinks that he's referring to, like, I don't know, like food or something or like, I don't know, some other resources in the woods and says that what he finds, what he found must be shared with all his brothers as his custom. And of course, he isn't talking about food or resources. He's talking about Japadi, but it's too late. The misunderstandings already happened. And therefore, because of this misunderstanding and the importance of following the words of his mother, Draupadi marries not only Arjun, but all five Pandava brothers and a rare example of polyandry in Sanskrit literature. Wow. But that's rare. So she has five everywhere. husbands. It's kind of awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, I said in Sanskrit literature, I think that's rare pretty much everywhere. But yeah, she has five husbands. Um, it's rare, but it's not unheard of. Um, they have some like examples that they cite within the text that's like, it's okay that we did this because this happened. And it's like considered, you know, a fine thing that happened. But it's not common as people, I think, yeah. are aware. It's not common for a woman to have multiple husbands. In and which would text. be logical because he, she can't have all five of their children at once. Well, oh, at once, yes. So the brothers come up with an agreement. In some versions, they say that they cannot interrupt if one of them is alone with her under penalty of 12 years of exile. And another wow. version is each brother is allowed one year with her at a time. Regardless, they come up with an agreement. They make it work. And they have, like, a relatively ha- a pretty happy marriage, like, for the most part. Like, all of them. They don't seem to have, like, really any significant conflicts um, with the five of them being married to the same woman, which is pretty cool. It's pretty progressive. Instead of sister um, wives, it's brother husbands. Yeah, like, literally. Like, she's married to... um all five of them and it seems to work out pretty well for all of them like how does she feel about that she's fine with it yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie it doesn't really ask how she feels about (laughs) it but she's a good wife as you will see she's a good wife okay and so through this arrangement she becomes mother to five different sons one from each of the brothers known as the upandavas and then she becomes the empress of the glorious kingdom of indraprast which is the kingdom that the brothers ruled together Okay. And as ruler, as empress, she is responsible for the treasury and manages the economy of the kingdom and also works as a citizen liaison. So total girl boss. Oh, wow. She handles the money. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. And also um, some versions say that she also has five daughters, but the daughters aren't really relevant to stories. Fair enough. They might as well not exist. Yeah, but she has, you know, equal amount of equal amounts of children with each of the brothers so it's a you know it's an equal partnership for the most part yeah um and so for a while everything's going great they're ruling this wonderful beautiful kingdom together and actually it's interesting because they are basically given this barren wasteland as their kingdom by um Duryodhan who is the the head of the basically Karav brothers and he kind of sucks and he's like jealous (laughs) of them and He's like, sure, you want a kingdom? Here's this barren wasteland. And they're like, okay. And they turn the barren wasteland into this really beautiful, like, gorgeous kingdom where everyone's super happy. Um, <laughs> awesome. And he, obviously Duryodhan, Duryodhan doesn't like that. And he's like, okay, something needs to be done about this. And so then we get to the dice game. Oh, um, yes. Which important. is, you know this? Okay, yeah. It's the most famous I, It rings a bell, but I don't know it. It'll probably ring a bell, but I don't remember yeah. exactly what happens. Yeah. I think Draupadi gets yeah. mad and does something. Well, you're not wrong. 
that does technically happen. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so as I said, um, Duryodhan is de- jealous of the Pandva brothers, um, and so he therefore invites them to a game of gambling with their kingdoms at stake. And some stories say that Draupadi is the inciting incident for why Duryodhan invites, invites them. Um, and the story goes that while visiting the Pandava's kingdom, uh, Duryodhan fell for one of the illusions around the kingdom. He stepped on a solid-looking part of the balcony, and then suddenly he was waist-deep in a pool of water, which obviously quite embarrassing. And according to the story, Draupadi was watching from a nearby balcony and saw this, and laughing, she made a joke that a blind man's son is blind, um, which is a reference to the fact that Duryodhan's father, uh, Dhritarashtra, is blind wow it's a bit mean it's not it's not the best joke um and so humiliated by embarrassing himself in front of Draupadi who is a great woman and like the most beautiful woman ever he decided it was time to challenge the Pandava brothers for the kingdom however I will say that version of the scene is not in the Mahabharata um she's not mentioned in that scene um it's just he does fall through the balcony and into a pool of water and gets like embarrassed but in the actual book um it's only the Pandva brothers who see him and Draupadi isn't there so where did that other part come from it's um so it's from popular like folklore or like um sort of legend I think they traced its origins to like a specific play version of the story um where that happened and so I included it not because it's in the even though it's not in the Mahabharata because it's still like very much a popular part of like this in the culture of the story and like the story surrounding her and it is like a part of the story in a lot of like adaptations of the story so even though it's not like in the original text it is still like part of the story that's told so anyway um Duryodhan calls his cousins to a gambling match and some stories say that his uncle gave him a magic dice that couldn't lose although that's also not in the original text but it still does make sense that that could have happened because um right from the beginning Yudhishthir loses everything including his whole kingdom like he loses everything super fast and that sucks Um, and that sucks and it's also do they gamble on Draupadi and then she gets mad because she's not a piece of meat is that what happens Sort of. Um, okay, I'm just gonna stop guessing. Just but, tell me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also like weird because Yudhishthir is supposed to be like the smart, like wise guy, and he like just sort of loses it in this, uh, yeah. in this gambling match. So that just sucks. Um, and then, yeah. So then, what he does after he loses his whole kingdom is he gambles on each of his brothers and then loses each of them in turn. So like one after the other. Then he gambles him on himself, and then he loses himself. So he's oh. like lost basically everything, but Duryodhan isn't satisfied. Oh my! And says, you have not lost everything. You have not yet lost your wife, Draupadi. And everyone is like, "Oh my gosh, what the heck!" But Yudhishthir agrees and puts Draupadi up as a bet <gasps> in the next round. He should just quit before he does that. Yes, he should quit. He and he loses again. And Draupadi is horrified to learn that she has been gambled away. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't go without a fight. She's immediately like, hey, um, I don't think he had the right to do that because he gambled himself away first. And therefore, he has no right to gamble his wife away as he was not his own master. 
Mm-hmm. And also, I have four other husbands, so it's not really his right to gamble away me as his wife. Yeah. Um, but Duryodhan doesn't listen and insists that his younger brother Dushasana bring Draupadi to the court with force if necessary. Um, so Dushasana grabs Draupadi by the hair and begins to drag her to court. <gasps> and Jesus. Bhima promises to cut off his hands. Um, and Draupadi's still like, hey, this doesn't, like, this doesn't work. Like, he had no right to do this to gamble me away. Like, this this doesn't work. This isn't fair. And then Duryodhan sort of suggests that Draupadi should sit on his thigh. Oh. And Bhima swears that he will break Duryodhan's thigh or else he will be his slave for several lifetimes, seven lifetimes. Um, and also- but This is all rigged. Yeah. He also swears he will drink Dushasana's blood from his own chest, which disturbs everyone. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically Bhima is really mad right now. Um, like, what a king. Um, he's so upset about all of this. And so Duryodhan says, okay, you have a chance to resist this humiliation. Um, if you admit that your husband violated Dharma by gambling her, you, you can be set free. And so, of course, Dharma is basically the sort of rules of action and how a person should act depending on their standing in society and their position in in society. And following Dharma is basically how you determine that you have, like, good karma and, like, if you follow your rule correctly, then you will be rewarded in the next life um, in Hinduism. Yeah. And so saying that he he violated Dharma is... A ba- is a very powerful and bad thing to say. Yeah. And so, of course, because she's a loyal wife, she refuses. And she's, she will not dishonor her husband like that. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, she says that Yudhishthir was only gambling because their elders insisted on it, and therefore the fault lies on them. And despite the fact that Duryodhan's own uncle agrees with Draupadi and says that no one has the right to stake his wife in a gamble, Duryodhan sticks with his plan and stays with his conviction that he now is the owner and possessor of Draupadi as a wife. And also present at this event is Karna, who, if you might remember, was the man who almost won the competition to marry Draupadi. Yeah, okay, I didn't think he was going to come back. Okay. Yes, he comes back. He's a bad guy. He calls Draupadi a whore for having <gasps> five husbands. And he demands that Dushasana disrobe her. Ew, okay, that's horrible. And her husbands try to protect her, but fail. And Draupadi is only wearing, like, a garment that's, like, a single piece of cloth because she's menstruating at this point in time. So it's, like, a single piece of cloth as a sari. And she prays to Krishna to protect her. And as Dushasana tries to disrobe her, he finds that no matter how much cloth he takes off her, she's always wearing more cloth underneath. Awesome. Um, he's taking off like more and more robe, and she's still wearing robes underneath it. Like he can't, physic he physically cannot undress her. And eventually, um, Dushasna collapses in exhaustion, but Draupadi is still dressed mod- modestly and is spared humiliation. That's really good. I was fearful. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's like the most iconic scene with Draupadi. Like that's the scene that's depicted in art and media. Like that's the one that artists are always painting and stuff. That's like the most iconic scene with her, is the failed disrobing. Mm-hmm. 
And so then uh, Duryodhan's mother appears and demands that her husband undo his son's misdeeds. And her husband hears like a jackal cry and is like, okay, this is, that's a bad sign. Like evil is happening right now. We need to put a stop to this. And so he offers um, Draupadi two boons. And first she asks for her husband to be freed along with their weapons. And then Karna taunts the Pandvas for needing their wife to save them. And they all return home to Indraprast. Okay. And so they grant Draupadi two boons. And so she asks for Yudhishthir to be free and then for the rest of her husbands to be free along with their weapons. And she doesn't ask for herself to be free because by her argument, she was never taken. Yeah. She was never actually, you know, like enslaved, basically. And so then Karna taunts the Pandavas for needing their wife to save them. But then they all return home to Interprost at the end of the night. Good. And it's all okay, but like, whew. Rough night. Um, rough night. <laughs> and then... <laughs> oh, God. The Pandavas receive another invitation to gamble with Duyotin. Okay, I hope they don't And this time, yes. the, penalty, the penalty is exile for 12 years. And of course they say yes. Why? Why would they course, do that? And of course, Yudhishthir loses, and all five brothers and Draupadi go into exile for 12 years. So okay. then, now they're in exile, right? <laughs> all right, yeah. now they're in exile. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so they're in exile. They're having various adventures and experiences. And so, at one point, uh, Jayadrat, who is the husband of uh, Jyodin's sister... Um, comes across Jopity in the forest. He immediately becomes enchanted by her beauty. He begs her to leave her husband and run away with him, but she refuses, saying that it's immoral for a wife to leave her husband during times of trouble, and also that the Bandvas would find him and punish him. I love when, like, this sort of thing happens in, like, myths and folktales, and the woman is like, no, that would be wrong, but not like, no, I don't want to do yeah. that. yeah. Like, surely she doesn't want to just marry some random man. Like, her motivation is not necessarily, oh, she's so chaste, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that honestly she also doesn't want to, but she's arguing with him in a way that she thinks he will understand. That's fair. Like, she's trying to, she, like, doesn't want to go off with this man, of course, but she knows that being like, hey, I don't want to do this isn't something that he would actually listen Very to. Very true. It's more like her him that would being be wrong. Like, yeah. Or being like, that would be wrong. It's immoral for a wife to leave her husband's. I couldn't possibly do that. Um, and also, my husbands are very strong and would definitely kill you. Um, Fair, yeah. Um, it's kind of fun that she has because, a whole like, gang of it. husbands to like defend her. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, however, he doesn't listen um, and abducts her Fair. by force. Um, Classic. so, uh, the, the Bandvas realize she's missing and they chase after him and he sees them coming and leaves her behind in order to escape their wrath, but they catch him anyway. And then Arjun convinces the rest of the brothers to spare, uh, Jayadrat's life, which Draupadi isn't pretty, isn't that happy about, but they do it anyway. But also in other versions of the story, um, apparently uh, Yudhishthir asks Draupadi to pass a sentence on Jayadrat, and she decides that he should live after all, like, despite her desire that he dies for how he's treated her. So I like that version better, because she's the one who has the power um, True. in that situation. 
Um, but before he leaves, the brothers shave uh, Jayadrat's head in five different places in order to shame him for his actions. That's fair. So that's good. So that's temporary. Yeah. They didn't kill him. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, he I deserves mean, it's not great. shame, but, like, yeah, pretty tame punishment. It's not great. But also, he's probably not going to try it again, you know? I mean, yeah. He was failed, so it would be stupid to try it again. Yeah. But then, so then, at one point during their exile, the Bandvas and Draupadi decide to stay in the Matsya kingdom, uh, with Draupadi working as handmaiden to the queen. Hmm. And then, the queen's brother, Hichka, uh, sees Draupadi and becomes enchanted by her beauty and overwhelmed by desire for her. And he proposes to Draupadi, but she refuses, saying she's already married to very powerful men. She actually says that her husbands are, like, really powerful, like, spirits. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't want to reveal her identity. They're, like, kind of living incognito right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really help because Kichka refuses to take no for an answer. And with the help of his sister, he attempts to assault her. But she oh. escapes and runs into the king's court where he kicks and humiliates her in front of everyone. <gasps> um, and the king refuses to intervene out of fear of losing a great warrior um, in his army. Well, Yudhishthir must prevent Bhima from attacking Kichka um, and revealing himself. And so Draupadi, who is so angry at the lack of action, asks the king about his dharma, which, again, is religious and moral duties, and, uh, like, and tells him that he's violating his dharma by not, like, not doing anything about this, act, this, this behavior of one of his warriors. And she also curses Kichka to die at the hands of her husbands. Mm. And so later, Bhima and Draupadi meet up and hatch a plan to kill him. So she tells uh, Kichka that she secretly loves him after all and will marry him, but only if no one finds out about their relationship. Okay. And so he accepts her conditions and she invites him to meet her at a dance hall later. And at the dance hall, Bhima appears disguised as Draupadi and fights with Kichka, killing him. <laughs> so awesome. that guy is dead. Nice. Yeah. And then Draupadi displays Kichka's dead body to his family. His brothers are angry and declare that sh- they should burn her as well as Kichka's body on the funeral pyre. But at the last minute, Bhima appears and saves her and kills all of Kichka's brothers. So that's awesome. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Sweet. Like, yeah. Bima's awesome. Yeah, like, Bima is honestly, like, the most loyal husband to her. She's the <laughs> one who's always like, I will kill this man for messing with you. Like, I will cut <laughs> off his hands for touching you, you know? like It's really nice that her husbands are so loyal to her. Yeah. All the other men in her life are just, like, being horrible. <laughs> yeah, like, all nice. the other men are like, we're going to be the worst people possible. And her husbands are like, nope, we're not going to deal with that. It's awesome. We're not going to let that happen. And then now we get to the Kurukshetra War. Um, and so this war, um, it happens for a lot of reasons, but the humiliation of Draupadi and the whole dice match is like a huge reason for it. And so during the war, Draupadi does not fight and stays with the other women away from the battlefield, as is expected, because she is a woman and women typically don't, of her status, typically don't fight, I guess. In the battle, Drone is killed, and since Draupadi is one of the main reasons that the Pandvas chose to fight in the war, she fulfills the prophecy in her father's wishes, avenging him at last. Oh. Remember that? I Book forgot else. about it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And so then Bima kills Dushasana and drinks blood from his chest, fulfilling his awesome. promise. Awesome. Okay. Um, from, and also some stories say that she washed her hair in Dushasana's blood as a revenge for his assault on her. Cool. Um, that's not in the actual text of the Mahabharata, but I like it, so I'm including it. I think it's cool. Yeah. And then um, after the main battle is over, Ashvatama, who is the son of Drona, kills uh, her father, brother, and all of her sons. So she is overwhelmed with grief and demands that her husbands kill the murderer of her sons mm. or else she will fast to death. Sorry, big, uh, big, big U-turn there. Um, it's, it's sad. Yeah. She loses like a lot of her family in the war. And so Arjun, being the greatest warrior, uh, fights against Ashvatama. And they aren't, he isn't able to kill him, um, but he does surrender and gives up this gem that he has. And so through intense meditation, Draupadi is able to let go of her wrath and she forgives the murder of her children and gives Ashvatama's gem to Yudhishthir, saying, hmm. I desired only to pay off our debt for the injury we have sustained. The preceptor's son is worthy of my reverence as the preceptor himself. Let the king bind this gem to his head, O Bharata. Oh, so, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So after the war, they are able to, the she and her husbands rule for 36 years in peace. And eventually they leave their kingdom and go on to a trip to the Himalayas where they all pass away ascending into the sky. Um, awesome. And she is the first of all of them to die. Which signifies that she is less pure in mind and soul than the rest of them, and that uh, Yudhishthir states upon her collapse that she died because she always preferred Arjun best out of all of her husbands. Um, but still, she's a great wife. So, um, yeah, that's her story. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bit of a anticlimax. But yeah, she ascends to the sky with her husbands um, on their trip to the Himalayas into heaven. Heavens, I guess. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. Thoughts on that I epic when story. I, when I first heard the thing about her marrying five husbands who are brothers, I thought that would be a source of conflict, but it was actually like the least conflictual part of her story. And like her her husbands are just like worshiping her and like killing people who wrong her, and like it's kind of awesome. Like they're just it very is, yeah. they're just like loyal to her, and they're just like always there for her i think that's really nice yeah it is pretty great because like it's never a problem it's just like part of the story is like oh yeah she has five husbands like cool she had, she has five husbands who would like die for her like that's that's pretty awesome yeah. and every every time a man is mm -hmm. like horrible to her she's like arjun get him <laughs> i love their little polyamorous yeah polygamous marriage polyandrous polyandrous exactly not polygamous Whatever. Because oh. Gemis is wives. Oh, really? Wife. Yeah. I thought, I thought polygamy was any plural marriage. No, polygamy is Talking many like wives. A Mormon. Got it. <laughs> well, Mormons only have multiple wives. They never have multiple husbands. But, like, yeah, but they yeah. say plural marriage. That's the term they use. <laughs> anyway. So anyway. So, yeah. Um, so, thoughts on this whole uh, this whole story? Uh, Drabody is awesome. I I think it's I feel like with most like women who get called like whores and stuff they're kind of on their own but mm -hmm. she has this whole team of 
husbands behind her who are ready to like kill anyone who says anything mean about her, which I think is really awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's fun, and it's fun that she can rely on them to do her bidding, basically, because they're so loyal to her, and she's loyal to them too. It's like very fun and sweet and wholesome. And they will yeah. just kill anyone who ever wrongs her. And she can just be like, you know, that guy was mean to me. Like, go kill him. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's really, it's really and fun. And, like, it's good because she also, you know, she doesn't take people's insults, like, sitting down. She's also actively fighting for her own rights and her own, like, respect. Yeah, like, she's really she, very cool. And when smart. When she was being, like, insulted by Gichka, um... She was, um, she like literally yelled at the king, like, you're violating your dharma because you're not doing anything about this awful guy that you have in your army, like as a soldier in your army. And that's obviously a very significant and big yeah. thing to say, like Fighting that someone's yeah. violating their dharma. Um, and she's not afraid to say it because she's being like completely disrespected and treated horribly um, by this yeah. guy. And when she was being like, attacked by uh, Dushasna and Duryodhan at the dice game. She was, like, arguing, like, completely, like, a league, like a lawyer, the, like, while wow, in this very <gasps> She was doing more than situation. anyone else. Yeah, like, yeah. good for her. And she was yeah, also like, very well, smart about it. She was like, well, here's the, like, logical inconsistency, therefore, yeah. I'm not being given to you. Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, she was completely, like, on top of it the entire time, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she, like, obviously, like, there are limits to what she does, like, she's not fighting, which I guess is a limit to what she's able to do, but she's still willing to, like, argue her for herself and stand up for herself, and if that doesn't work, then she's willing to have her husbands kill the guys that suck. <laughs> and and that's badly. awesome. I love that. I think it's yeah. awesome that their plural marriage is so successful, and... <laughs> <laughs> and they all just and they all agree to it, and they're all just having a good time and just loyal to each other. I think that's awesome. Uh-huh. And like I they're agree. not, and like the conflict isn't really within their multi-person yeah. marriage. It's it's they're all together uniting against other forces. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and it's like she does get shamed once for being married to five guys, but that's obviously shown to be in a bad light. It's shown to be a it's a basically evidence for why this one character is a bad guy and not like, oh, this guy was right, actually. Like, he, yeah, you, you know, you are, you do. She's you not shamed broadly by, by the epic. She's just shamed yeah. by this one loser yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. One loser guy who is mad because she didn't choose to marry him. Instead, chose to marry five other guys. And he, she still didn't choose to marry him, even though she married five other people. <laughs> you Sucks. know, like. Sucks to suck, man. Um, yeah. You think it's weird that the brothers are also cousins? Dropity's children? I guess. This doesn't really matter. I, I mean, they're not... They're, they're... I mean, it's like, you know, if you're... It's it's like, you know, in Hamlet, right? When the mom marries the the uncle, right? It's a bit, I mean, it's a bit weird, but I guess it doesn't really matter that much. It's like allowed. Like, it's allowed. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's allowed. It's just like, (laughs) huh, interesting. Yeah, you know, it's like... When they all agree to it, it's fine. Yeah, they all agree to it. Like, they have an arrangement, and they're all, like, happy, you know. Like, they don't have... Happy little family. 
They're a happy family. They don't really have many issues with, or, like, jealousy issues with the arrangement, which is, like, really good. Yeah. And they all worship Dropity, which is really cool. So, like, oh, one of them is nice to her, but the other ones are mean or anything. They all just are, love her and are obsessed with yeah. her and just yeah, do anything all, for her. They kind of all have their own relationship with her. Like, she gets her yeah. own, like, you know, like, if she wants a guy to be killed, she goes to Bima. If she wants, like, I don't know, to, like, talk with a ruler, she talks to Yudhishthir, you know, like, they, they're they all just vibing together. And that's awesome. I think that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So, speaking of worship, uh, Draupadi is described as, is worshipped as a goddess, as well as a character, as, as, as viewed as a character in the Mahabharata. Mm-hmm. In the text, she is described as incarnations of goddesses, including uh, Shuchi, who is the queen of the devas. And today she is worshipped as Japadi Aman, who is an incarnation of Kali. Mm-hmm. Um, and also at an ancient festival, um, she was worshipped as an incarnation of the goddesses Mahadeva and Parvati. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's she's associated with a lot of different goddesses throughout the world, and she's worshipped as incarnations of them. There's yeah. over 400 temples dedicated to her around the world, and she's primarily worshipped by people in the Kanar, Vanyar, and Mutaliar castes, um, which are agricultural, pastoral, and landowner castes, respectively. Um, so more of like a agrarian, like more agrarian-like lifestyle people will worship her, which is interesting. I don't have analysis for that, but you know, it's Cause interesting. Because she's, she's not really agrarian in the story, really, in any way. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really work as a. F- I mean, like she lives. She's in like the a, woods she's like an empress. Fair, but she yeah, she's also an empress. You know, I mean, but yeah, I guess you know, just whatever is popular. Yeah. But yeah so she's both, um, you know, of character in this story, and also worships as a goddess um, or as an incarnation of goddesses. So, you know, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar to um, Ganaki, right? Who was also worshipped. yeah, 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 and also another thing that's similar of like with Kaneki is that the the scene where she kind of shames everyone for not being like righteous mm-hmm. yeah which Kaneki yeah. did the same thing she was like this is not fair you guys are acting horribly when yeah. she was facing a really difficult crisis mm-hmm. just like yeah. Draupadi was yeah Draupadi like I said she in many ways she is a character where things just like happen to her but also she doesn't just take everything lying down. She has agency in her own right. Like, most of her stories is just her reacting to things that happen to her. Like, it, she doesn't, like, choose to do things on her own as much. Um, but, but also, like, fair enough being a woman. Yeah, but fair enough being a woman. And also, it's not like, oh, this happened to her. And this happens to her. It's like, she this happens to her and she reacts to it. She yells at the king. She criticizes people. She, like, fights back, basically. Um, yeah. you know, she like she takes to figure out little situations. She has to like outsmart yeah. people. Like she takes the power back into her own hands, which is cool. Like she is a person like in many ways it is things that are just happening to her, but also it's like she is taking what happens to her and like doing something with it. Yeah. And although she is not a warrior herself, she does have a lot of power by motivating her husband's action. Her husbands will do basically whatever for her for the most part. And that is obviously very significant when they end up fighting a massive war, at least partially because of her. Um, 
and she is pretty supportive of the fighting and also like it is significant that she her participation in the war as not a warrior but as the motivator as the motivation for fighting the war is what leads to her father being avenged which uh is really interesting because that's not normally like what happens in these kinds of stories right like yeah um in these kinds of stories, it's normally like, oh, the father gets a, a son who fights and avenges the guy, right? You know, that's that's normally what happens. But in this case, it's like, no, she is born and then she ends up becoming like the motivation and the wife of the people who are going to avenge her father's humiliation, um, which is really interesting. It's a really interesting, like, fulfillment of the prophecy that's, like, given at her birth. Yeah. Um, which is cool. And yeah, I mean, it's just so like, she's very important. She's born auspicious was the word I was thinking of earlier. Oh, um, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. She's born very auspiciously, you know, with the prophecy and she goes on to do like what her father, like none of her father's sons or allies could do, which is make sure that her father gets avenged properly, which is great. Mm-hmm. So she defies social norms by marrying five husbands. It's not unheard of, but It is pretty rare, and she is criticized within the context of her story to do so. And despite the positive depiction in the epic and the justifications within the story, Draupadi has been criticized as lustful and a bad role model. Um, Some Jane stories will recount bad deeds in her past lives that led her to marry five men, while other stories say that she cheated on her husbands with an ugly hunchback dwarf. Um, In general, a lot of the Jane versions of the Mahabharata get rid of the polyandry aspect of her story and say that she was only married to Arjun. Um, So it's not not controversial that she married five men, even though it is like part of the very much part of the epic and very much like just not condemned. Yeah. Yeah, She's like, it's still people don't like it. People don't like it. I mean, fair. It is very different. Mm -hmm. It's very unique. Yeah. And she's actually contrasted with Sita, who is the main female character in the Ramayana. And unlike Sita, who is mainly submissive, obedient, and pure, she is a firebrand. and She's not afraid to challenge the actions of her husbands and to spur them into action. And as said before, her polyandry makes her pureness a more difficult subject. Um, She is a mother. She has five sons. She is in a relationship with five different men. Uh, well, on the other hand, uh, Sita is only interested in one man, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Is that right? She's she's yeah. very loyal to Rama. Yeah, she's very loyal to Rama. So while Sita offers a sort of submissive model for marriage, uh, Draupadi demands equality and fair treatment from her husbands and the other men around her. I mean, it's also, like, interesting to con- con- to, to condemn Draupadi for being impure when she- it wasn't her idea to have five husbands. Yeah. It just ended up kind of happening. Yeah, and it's like, well, she has kids, but she has them with her husbands. Like, she's married. That's, yeah, exactly. That's what you're supposed to do, you know? Exactly. Yeah. She is still regarded by many as a positive role model for a woman and a good example of a wife, which to me makes perfect sense because she's an incredibly loyal wife. She's loyal to all her husbands. She isn't given an opportunity to insult Yudhishthir and like say something really bad about him and she's like no I'm not gonna do that even though Mm. like doing that would probably have protected her from like really scary a really scary situation Mm -hmm. um she's like no I'm not gonna do that which is really powerful and 
Yeah, but it's not a universal stance. Um, some people do hold her as a negative example of an independent woman. For example, um, some I found an example of like a divorce hearing where a magistrate said that Jopadi was an example of an independent woman that had too much power. And therefore, because she had too much power, she called, she caused a horrible war in which almost the entire world died. And therefore, women shouldn't be divorced and independent. <laughs> um, you know, but this argument loses credibility when you consider that the war is generally considered a necessary good or a necessary evil um, or a positive ending in the context of the Mahabharata because it was considered necessary to bring about cosmic balance. So actually, Draupadi's independence and ability to challenge those around her was necessary in order to bring about harmony, which is incredibly important in Hinduism. So the argument doesn't really work. In and my she opinion. also wasn't divorced. She was literally married. Yeah, she literally was married. Like, And she also was like with five men, not just one man. Like, that's not technically independent. She just like had five men who like loved her enough that they like let her speak and listen to what she had to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there are a lot of problems with that argument. But like what I'm trying to say, is she is kind of a controversial figure. Like in many ways, she is considered a positive figure, but also in some ways she's considered a less positive figure. And it depends on yeah. who you ask. Um, but also, I think that, like, if you're conservative enough and hate women enough, any woman in mythology and folklore is, you can gonna spin be, yeah, yeah going to be negative life. to you, literally. You know, like, yeah. you know, you can find a way to say this person sucks and is an example of how not to be a, ba- a woman if you don't like women. You can find any reason you know. to be a misogynist. It's not that hard. Yeah. I think she's really awesome. She is. And she is, as you can probably guess, an incredibly important figure in pop culture and culture in general. Of course, the Mahabharata is incredibly often adapted into movies, TV shows, plays, novels, short stories. And therefore, if you're adapting the Mahabharata, you're going to include Draupadi. Um, There's so many different movies um, that uh, adaptations of the Mahabharata in which she's depicted there's a TV show um, called Draupadi that came out in 2016. Oh. Um, and there's also a really interesting short story called Draupadi by Mahashveta uh, Devi, which was really interesting. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like an interesting style of writing that's a little hard to read because it's kind of like stream of conscious. Um, you know, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's one of the sh- like st- styles of writing where it's like harder to understand what's going on than like... It's not just told, like, standard narratively, but it's interesting. Dropity, the Dropity character is like a resistance fighter or something, and it's uh, very interesting. I really liked reading it. Um, But yeah, she is super important to this day. She's a super cool character, and I am a big fan. And yeah, that's Dropity. She's awesome. Yeah. So thank you, Zoe, for today's episode, and thank you for listening. Please feel free to subscribe, listen to our other episodes, tell your friends, um, leave us a review, etc. And we'll see you back here again in two weeks. Bye-bye. May the Ladies Podcast is produced, researched, and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythaLadies and visit us on our website at MythaLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. Bye.